0: Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can draw near to you through the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you that the veil has been torn, that we now enter heaven when we pray in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. We thank you for the sweet spirit that we have been together in this place. For we are united, those of us who are saved today, we are united as your children, the children of God. And we're grateful, Lord, that you have saved us and we we think every day about the great love you've shown to us that we do not deserve. We pray that today you might help us during this time, this brief time we have during the week. We have so many distractions in our lives and we have so many things that we are burdened about. We pray, Lord, for... Uh, Uh, those in our own family who are sorrowing today, we pray for the the Lee family, pray for Becky and the loss of Brother John, who's a part of our church, we pray for him as we minister to them in the days ahead. We pray for others who've lost loved ones, have sick ones, and we pray for those who are rejoicing, good days, living in good days, days of renewal and days of joy. So we, we rejoice with those who rejoice as God's people and we we, uh, we're we sad with those and we sorrow for those who are in sorrow. That's what we do together. We do it only because the Lord Jesus Christ is in us all and we love one another. And what an encouragement that is to remind us that we're saved. We pray, Lord, for those who are here today who do not have blessed assurance of salvation. We pray that they might be saved so that they might experience the joy and the peace and the happiness and the wonder of having assurance of salvation, whether they live or die. And we pray for others who have lost their assurance in seemingly difficult times and things that have happened in their life and they're living again with a self-condemning mind. We pray that you might help them and encourage them today. So whatever we need, we, 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 we now pause and we say, here we are in our varied condition. And We ask that you might give us just a little time to consider your truths today as we continue in worship and then as we come to the table of the Lord we honor the Lord Jesus Christ who is our Lord and savior for his sacrifice for us it is a good day to be together may we treasure and cherish every day of life and every time we can be together as God's people in Jesus name we pray amen if you have your bibles find your place in first john chapter 3 good morning Good to see all of you who have gathered with us today. I'm Pastor Mike. If you are a guest, please let us know. We would love to minister to you, uh, get acquainted with you. As Brother Tim mentioned uh, earlier, let us know some way. Call us or leave information for us. We won't embarrass you, but we would love to minister to you and to your family or whatever we can do to help you. 1 John chapter 3. The most important question for you to answer is this. Are you 100%... Sure. Are you 100% assured that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? This is the question, my friend. This is the question you must answer. Boys and girls, as you think about it, you think about your life. One day you were born, one day you will die. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you 100% certain? That if you die today, you'd go to heaven. The Bible promises that, as that's what we're doing in 1 John, looking at all the ways you can know. That word means not only have a knowledge, but it means a certainty. That you can know that you are saved. I want to know that. And I'm burdened for you as your pastor that we think about this together. And that all of you can say, yes, joyfully. I know that I know that I am born again. I know that I know that I am saved. And I live in the blessed assurance that Jesus is mine, like the old hymn says. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine! So we're continuing. We've been a long time in First John uh, chapter three, and and we're there looking at some things together. We've considered together this fact that if you're if you're here's a way you can have assurance. If you obey the commandments of Jesus Christ, if you're saved, you obey. Jesus commands. We saw in 1 John 2, 29, that we are saved if we practice righteousness. That is, if we practice the practices of Jesus, if we do what he did. Uh, we have, we have, uh, we've seen these things together. We saw last week that uh, those, of, those of us who are born again, we love one another as the family of God. And we also express love to our enemies. We are loving people not hateful people. We are loving people. We are gracious people. We are kind people. We are those who are seen as followers of Jesus in the world. We let others see Jesus in us, not because we're better, but because of a new work that's been done in our life. We've been loved greatly, so we love greatly. This is our point. And then today, I want to talk to you about the condition of your heart today. Now, when I say that, I don't mean uh, literally your physical heart, though it's important for you to take care of yourself physically. I'm talking about the condition of your your emotions and your mind and your affections and your passions. All of those things, the, the Bible talks about our heart because it's describing our inner person. You see, what you do, the way you think and the way you respond, listen to me, on the inside says a lot about what you do on the outside. The Lord Jesus said, out of the abundance of our heart, we speak. And I've said to you as church members many times, do you wanna know how to read somebody's mind? Sure, you'd like to know, just listen to what they talk about and you'll know what's on their mind. You don't even have to ask them what's on their mind, just listen to what they talk about. When others listen to you talk, they learn what's on your mind. Out of the abundance of our heart, the Lord says, out of the abundance of our inner person, our mind, and our emotions, and our passions, and our affections, out of those things. And and all of us in this room, you may think you're not an emotional person, but we all have emotions. God made you with them. So you either have sinful emotions or you have holy emotions. And I want to talk to you today, and I want you to consider before we come to the Lord's table, what is the condition of your heart? And when we describe the condition of your heart, we're describing also what it means to have assurance of salvation. So we read together in 1 John chapter 3 now. You've had time to settle in. We're going to pick up with verse 18, and we'll read through verse 21. A brief reading today, and then we'll look at these verses in some detail. Little children... The apostle John says, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Let me read it again. Verse 18, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but let us love in deed and in truth. Now look at this wonderful set of promises here. This is for you today. We will know by this. That we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Heavenly Father, we pray that you bless the reading of your word and may the Holy Spirit be our teacher now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our focal truth is this today, that assurance of salvation comes in knowing and practicing carefully. Now look, God's truth. Here's how I may know that I am saved. This is where John is now drawing a conclusion and pausing to talk about the importance, listen, of the truth of God given to us through the word of God, but especially through the teachings of the Lord Jesus, the truths of the Lord Jesus. The promises of the Lord Jesus, which are absolute truth, and the condition of our heart. Today, you are either a person of truth in Christ, you're saved, or you're still living in lies and deception, and you're not saved. This is the fact for every person who's in this room. Now, there are some of us in this room who are assured of salvation, but something's happened recently in our life. Something's happened that's discouraged us in our life. And lo and behold, what's happened here? We've, we've lost a sense of assurance. We need reassurance today uh, of our salvation. And this happens in Christians' lives. We haven't lost our salvation. We've lost our assurance and confidence in Him. And this is part of what John is pausing to say. And I want to pause and talk to this church about it today, about the importance of reassurance of our assurance of salvation. There are others here today who need, for the first time, to have assurance of salvation. You, you, you need to say, okay, I, I need to nail this down. Uh, I'm back and forth all the time. Am I really saved? Am I not? Am I saved? Am I not? I must settle this. It's such a torture, torture in your mind to think, well, I, I must be saved today and then tomorrow I'm not saved. No, we must settle this so that we can go on serving the Lord. There are others here today who have false assurance. You still believe that if you're just good enough or your family has been a good family, in your opinion, by the way, you're okay and you're going to heaven. Uh, you, you may be living in false assurance saying, well, everybody's going to go to heaven. God's going to let everybody go to heaven. He's going to cut everybody a break. And and uh, that's just because God is love. He's, there's no there's nothing you have to do. Everybody's going to go to heaven. That would be false. That's not what the word of God says, nor what it teaches. So I don't know the condition of your heart, but those are the things you're either in the truth and of the truth, as John is saying here, and I'm challenging you today, or you're of, you're, you're, you're of the devil and you're living in lies. So which will it be today? Well, we got to explore it together. And I hope it will be an encouragement to you and a challenge. Number one, there are three observations. Number one, Knowing and practicing God's truth persuades the mind that we are saved. That's verse number 19. Knowing and practicing God's truth, number two, assures the mind that we are saved. That's verses 19 and 20. And then knowing and practicing God's truth, uh, this is really important, creates confidence that we are saved. Now look at these things that I've described here. All of these elements are for us and help us with our assurance of salvation. You see, in order order for me to be assured of salvation, my mind has to be changed or persuaded that I am uh, saved and justified before God. You must settle that. You can settle that. There are some who would preach that you can never settle that. What a terrible thing. How can you preach about the free grace and love of God and salvation in Christ and then say, well, you know, hey, this is all free and it's grace and hope you keep it and hope you can have it. And boy, don't you want to have it? No. It's a certainty. When I'm saved, I can be sure. That's what brings confidence in my life so that I can live for Jesus and share the gospel with someone else. But also, so it's a persuasion. I'm persuaded of it. Secondly, I'm assured of it. And I I want to to delve in for a moment to the danger of having uh, lost our assurance and our minds because we've allowed a self-condemning, mind to come back up in our life and this is a very real thing that happens in Christians lives I want to comment on that for a minute and then finally I want us to talk about the confidence of assurance in Jesus and I'm just simply giving you what John's giving us in this section here first of all knowing and practicing God's truth persuades the mind that we are of the truth now read with me verse 18 and 19 together little children Let us not love with word or tongue. In other words, hey, I love you, man. Hey, I love you, man, but I really hate you, man. Hey, I love you, man, but I'm really going to take advantage of you, man. Hey, I love you, man, but I could care less about you, man. No, no. No, it's not all big talk. It's not all talk. Don't don't let us love, beloved little children. We don't love with word or with tongue. We love in what we do through our actions and in the truth. We are sincere. We are genuine. You see, here's where I would say it to you: everybody who's here today. By the way, John says it, we will know by this, by loving indeed and truth, that we are of the truth. You see, again, you're of the truth or you're not of the truth. You see, God's people are truthful people. We are truthful people. God's people aren't lying people. God's people are not deceiving people. God's people don't sometimes lie, sometimes tell the truth. We are truth tellers in love. We are those who are of the truth. We have been saved out of our lies, out of the lies of sin, out of the lies of Satan. And now we are. Ex- we have experienced the truth of God. If you are, listen, if you're saved, if you're of the truth, You will know the truth, and as a result of knowing the truth of Jesus Christ, you'll do the truth. It's just that simple. If you are of the truth, that is, if you're born again, if you're a new creature in Christ, if you've now come to be a part of the truth, you have faced the truth in your life. I am a sinner. You have faced the truth in your life. If I don't get right with God, my sin will take me to hell. You have faced the truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. You've settled it. As a result of that, you come to live in the truth. There is truth and there is lies. The world is all about, it's all caught up in their own craziness of, well, I make up my own truth. There's no real truth, there's silliness. It's ridiculous. Of course, there's truth and there's lies. There's truth and there's lies. The Word of God helps us to know here's the truth. Walk in it and hear lies. Get away from them. Don't think about them. Don't believe them. Don't live in those ways. So we see here, first of all, that knowing the truth of Jesus Christ and the word and his promises, my friends, you have to know what the... This is why we study the Bible. This is why we read God's word every day. This is why we come and we hear teaching and preaching. This is why we do we do this in order to reinforce... The truth. Look, you're filled. You're, you're surrounded by lies. The world is full of lies. The law, the, this is why I appeal to you as your pastor all the time. What do you listen to on your devices? Who's your favorite opinion maker? Are you listening to the truth or are you listening to lies? It's all around us. And the devil's the biggest of all liars. And he perpetuates lies in a world system. You're surrounded by lying and liars. Don't be one. Be of the truth. Be a truth teller in a world filled with lies. And as a result of knowing the truth, I do the truth. The truthful thing for me is to tell the truth. Boys and girls, my mom and dad said it to me like this. I said it to my children and I've said it to my grandchildren. Tell the truth, even if it hurts you. Tell the truth, even if it hurts you. If you did that thing to your brother or sister, you need to tell it. If you did that, so our little one, two years old, colors on the wall. Pat Nana asks him who did that my mom did it (laughs) my mom did it. she wasn't even there your mother didn't do it you did it tell the truth come out of the dark don't hide in the shadows don't sneak around don't live as a hypocrite tell the truth we are truth tellers the Lord Jesus said if you know the truth listen what a blessed promise If you know the truth that he shares and you believe it, it will set you free. That's assurance. That's assurance of salvation. So the first thing we see here is we know by this we are of the truth. By the way, we know and practice the truth. We do the truth. We don't do lies. We don't live them. We don't say them. We tell the truth in all of our relationships. In love, we speak the truth to one another. Secondly, we know and practice. And I want to linger here for a moment. We know and practice God's truth, and it brings assurance to our mind. But I want you now to read carefully these words together in your Bible. Notice the verb in verse number nineteen, and notice the the, the, the verb two times in verse nineteen. We will know. We will know. This is a uh, this is a verb tense that describes. Now I know it and I will continue to know it. We will continue to know by this that we are of the truth. And look at the next phrase, it's wonderful. And we will assure, we can continue to be assured our heart. We can have an assured heart before him. Some translations read the word, reassure our hearts. That's why I'm talking to you today, not knowing the condition of your mind and your emotions spiritually. Some of you need reassurance today. Some of you do need reassurance. You've gone through a terrible time in your life. You've done things you know you should not have done as a Christian. I remind everybody in this room, though you're saved, you have and I have great capacity still to sin in our lives, even as saved people. John's already reminded us, if we say we don't have sin, we're liars. But if we confess our sins, so this is is a common thing for all of us in this room. So I have to say, sometimes I do things terribly bad in my life as a pastor, as a preacher, as a Christian, and I'm ashamed of it, and I should be, and I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit, and I repent and I confess my sin, but all of a sudden my assurance drops away. It's almost like I begin to self-doubt and I say to myself, well, I don't, though it's true, I don't deserve the grace of God. And instead of just saying that as a part of my godly sorrow, I say it in a worldly way and I draw back from God. The way you can determine as a Christian if you need reassurance is based on how little you may be praying today or spending time in the word of God. Notice these two wills here. We will know by this we are of the truth and will assure or reassure our hearts. Notice before God. Did you know God sees everything you do? Yes, you know it. Did you know God hears everything you say? Yes, He does. Do you know that God knows everywhere you go? Yes, you know it. We do what we do in the presence of a God who sees, who knows, who hears, but He also is a God that we approach. We come before Him. These are beautiful words. They're the words that describe our love relationship with God. We've come in worship before the Lord today. We come in our private prayer life before the Lord. You come before Him. Nobody else is around, but you're there in that chair or wherever you meet with Him on your porch or wherever it might be. And you come and you humble yourself quietly before our Lord and Father, God and Father, and you, you pause and you reflect and you come before him with all you are. And you present yourself to him and say, use me for your purposes, however you want to. But you see those who have lost their assurance, those who have gone into what I'm calling a self-condemning mind, that's what he's describing here. When he says in verse 20, in whatever our heart condemns us. You see, you have to read verse 19 and 20 together as one sentence. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts before him in whatever our hearts condemn us. That means that in this room, you not only have great capacity to still fall back into sin... But you also have, though you're saved and you've been forgiven and you may have repented of what you've done, still a self-condemning mind egged on by the devil. You have this trouble in your mind, am I really saved? Could I really be saved and do what I've just done? So as your pastor, I want you to think about the danger of a self-condemning mind for a moment. It goes like this. I've sat with people all of my ministry life. I've considered it and thought about it and reflected in my own life when I've had these times. And you've had them too. Don't act like you're so spiritual you haven't had them. This is the common Christian life. This is trouble that we struggle with in our minds. This is where assurance is knocked off the tracks. In knowing and doing God's will, truth, the word of God, the truth of God. Listen to me. The truth of God assures our minds that our relationship with God is right. Now, if we were taking the time, we'd look at this word, assure. We'd look at it in the original language. It is a wonderful word. It has multiple ways that it's described. Uh, This same word is used to describe the old goddess in Greek mythology, The God of pithos, the God of persuasion. That's a good word. That's part of what assurance is. It's persuasion, as I said in the first point. The truth of God persuades your mind. But it's also a word that describes, this is a wonderful word, tranquility. Tranquility. Assurance is persuasion of the mind through the truth of God. Assurance is tranquility of the peace of mind through the truth of God. You see, it's not what I do first. It's what God says that is the truth that gives me persuasion and tranquility. And it is also sometimes used as a word for confidence. When you have assurance, you have confidence. This is my point. When you lose your assurance for whatever reason, you lose your confidence that you're okay to talk to God. And then you go to self-doubt, and then you stop reading your Bible, and then you say, well, maybe I'm not good enough to go to church, and what are all those people going to think about me? And then the devil joins in. Yeah, you're right. You're terrible. You're horrible. You don't deserve it. You're nothing but whatever. Here we go. Here we go. And the spin starts, and the torture of mind begins. You see, feelings of self-condemnation are things like this. I've heard them many times in my ministry. I've sinned in such a terrible way, God would never be able to forgive me, says the Christian. Along with that, others who say, I'm unforgivable now. I've crossed the line. I've done things that I should have never done. What are we reminded of in Galatians 6? We who are spiritual, when a man, when one of us is caught in sin, it's going to happen. It has happened. It will happen. Someone that you've respected, somebody you've known and trusted that their life with God was right, all of a sudden they're caught in a terrible sin as a believer. Because believers can still sin if you don't keep your life right with God. And all of a sudden, what do we do? We who are spiritual, we practice restoration. See, this is the question. When, I'm asking this church, when do we restore those who've been caught in their sin and they've repented and confessed? Do we just keep pounding them to the ground? Do we keep just showing no mercy? Do we keep just being merciless toward them? Or do we show grace and restore them? What does Paul say? Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, looking to yourself because you can be tempted in the same way. So you see the self-condemners, they say of themselves, oh, I'm saved. I've repented of my sin, but I'm not deserved. I can't pray. I can't worship. I can never sing again. I can't ever teach. I don't deserve uh, to be one of God's people and do anything because look what I've done. Look what I've done as a Christian. I I can't even overcome my sin. So how can I ever do anything for God? And because of that, they lose the persuasion and tranquility and peace of mind that comes in knowing Jesus and confidence. They believe lies that remove their assurance. They live with an accusing mind. Look, our conscience is important, but our conscience can also be in error. You must remember that yes, our conscience is enlivened by being saved and the Holy Spirit and the word of God train the conscience so that it's clear. But even at times, even at times, I'm talking about the saddest thing I've seen is when Christians lose their desire to pray because they've gone back to self-condemning and will not accept the grace and forgiveness and that God has given and that's the truth that's not a lie you can be forgiven of great sin as a Christian and the accusation and the shaming of the mind and the despising the despairing of the mind oh how how powerfully horrible it is because it leads Christians to despair and to depression. That's real. Those emotions are real. And anybody who pretends they're not doesn't understand or is lying to themselves because we all experience it. But what does the word of God say here? If we practice and know the truth, we will be assured before him and in whatever our heart condemns us. Or maybe we could have also said whenever we... Or whatever our heart condemns us and then notice for God is greater than our hearts and knows all things look friends here's the good news today here's the truth of God since God already knows all about you and he knows the genuineness of your repentance and of your willingness to confess your sin maybe you accept that rather than a self tormenting mind maybe you say no I'm going to believe the truth no matter how I feel I've sat with some who have labored with this for years. They've written in their journals. They've talked about it. They never seem, though they, they, they live for the Lord and they love God and they've truly trusted Christ, and they've given evidence of that, they cannot accept the free grace of God in their life. What a sad thing to live and not have an assured heart. And my friend, here is this great promise for you if you're a discouraged, self-condemning believer today. You're no longer under condemnation. You are in Christ. You are one who is loved by God and you are a child of God. We saw it in chapter 3, verse 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on you. He has shown you free grace. He has shown you His love. He has demonstrated His love to you in Christ. You see, God is greater than your mind. God is greater than your mind. God knows better you than even your mind. And remember, your heart can be deceitful. You can punish yourself way beyond the punishment of God. As the um, New Living Translation quotes this uh, phrase, God is greater than our feelings and He knows everything. That's what the assured heart, you must battle this in your life. And I know there are seasons when it will come. John says to us, first of all here, that if we know and practice God's truth, it persuades our mind. Well, when I'm saved, I want to do the truth. When I'm saved, I want to tell the truth. If you're saved, you cannot tell lies and live with telling lies. If you're saved, you cannot live with lying. If you're saved, you cannot live with deceitfulness, hiding in the shadows, acting like you're one thing when you're in something else. You cannot do it. You're not permitted. The Holy Spirit will not allow it. It won't be. If you're of the truth, you're reminded of the truth when you practice lies and the errors. So this is it. I practice the truth and assurance comes. And as a result of that, as a result of knowing and practicing the truth, then I also assure my mind and I I push away this pain of self-condemnation. Finally, what does it do? It creates confidence. Here's a great promise for us all. If our heart does not condemn us. In other words, if you do what I've just been talking about, if you practice righteousness and if you know the truth of God and stay in it and live by the truths of God in the will of God, your heart will not condemn you this is how you protect yourself from a self-condemning heart you'll have confidence before god now some of the greatest of verses we've looked at on assurance are in chapter 4 look over there in your bible for just a moment 1 john 4:16 we have this was the verse i started with if you've been with me the whole time this is where we started when we started talking about assurance and what does assurance look like verse 16 We have come to know, listen to the language, read your Bible carefully. We have, we Christians, we believers have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. When I'm in my worst day, we have come to know and believe the love which God has for us. When I get the worst news, in my life, I have come to know and believe the love of God which is for me. When I have my best day, when I have my worst days, when when life falls all around me in horrible ways, when I'm dealing with troubles and difficulties, I have come to know and believe the love which God has for me. Read on. God is love. Please look at this now, friend. This is for you. This is a description of what it is to be assured. And the one who abides in love, who abides in the love of God for him or her in Christ, he who abides or lives or dwells in the love of God, I'm loved by God. I'm loved by God. Even when I've done terrible things, I'm loved by God. He who lives and abides in the love of God, God abides in him and he in in God. Verse 17, by this, love is perfected with us. This phrase again, that John is using perfected with us is a word for assurance. Here's the way, here's the way assurance comes. Love perfects me and gives me assurance so that I may be confident in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. And here's the great verse in verse 18. When I have this perfected love and assurance, look at verse 18. This is for some of you today. Who are allowing that self-condemning heart and mind to trouble you. There is no fear in love. When you live in the love of God. When you live in the love of God. The Lord loves me. I am a child of God. I have repented of my sin. I believed in the Lord Jesus. I'm one of God's children. There is no fear in love. But perfect fear. Here it is again. Perfect love. Perfect fear. Love perfected perfect love, which is assurance, casts out fear. You want to have fear removed from your life? Well, I'm afraid, Pastor Mike. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of this person. I'm afraid of this circumstance. I'm afraid of this uh, medical report. I'm afraid of this uh, thing that's going to happen at work. I'm afraid. And I'm afraid that when I die, I don't know if I'll really be good enough judgment's going to come, as John says here in verse 17. Love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day we stand before God in death, because as He is, so are we in the world. There's no difference. I'm a child of God in the world. And perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. You have the mark of assurance in verse 17, perfected with us. You have the mark of assurance in verse 18, perfect love. And then you have this mark of assurance in verse number 18, who, uh, the one who fears is not perfected in love. Are you perfected in love today? This is what assurance is all about. This is the most important decision you can make in your life. So it's the way that we realize that as a result of this, I'm able to to recognize that I'm a child of God. So we finish by looking again in 1 John 4 at verses 4 through 6. Notice John is writing and I'm speaking to Christians in this room. You are from God, little children. 1 John 4, 4. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. This is the way we overcome. We overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And we'll talk about that in the days ahead. They are from the world, therefore, they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. But look at verse 6. This is for us. This is for us when we are experiencing self condemnation and despair. We are from God. He who knows God listens to the word of God, is what he's saying to us, to to these apostles, John said. If you're from God, you listen to the truth of God's word. And he who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So what do we need to remember today uh, with these words that we've looked at? Well, you see, the table of the Lord stands between you and me today. Here on the front of it do this in remembrance of me. This table represents the greatest statement of assurance for every Christian in this room. This table declares the greatest act for our the greatest act of love in order for us to be saved and it is that which brings assurance and reassurance. You are back before the Lord Jesus today as we come to the table of the Lord. We come to celebrate with Him. We join Him at the table. What condition are you in as you come to the table of the Lord? Is there a real, genuine, spiritual life in you? Are you playing a game? Are you really a hypocrite? This is not real to you. You're trying to get by. You you, you want it, but you don't have it. Are you born again? Do you know the Lord? Well, you see, continuing in God's Word reveals God's truth. As you stay in God's Word, I'm asking this all the time to this church, and I know you're tired of it after 10 years, but I'm asking you, how much time, what do you do with God's Word? Is it in the back seat with uh, French fries and fast food wrappers all over it? Is it thrown in the back window of the car? Is it jammed in the side panel of your door? Is it on the front? Is it on the front uh, panel there? On you as you drive home? Or is it sitting there on the table with a bunch of other things stacked on top of it, including your TV changer? What do you do with your Bible? What do you do with the Word of God? Are you continuing in the well, Brother Mike? I'm so down. I'm I'm just barely able to make it. Have you taken any truth in? Have you used the Word of God as it's meant to be in your life? This is what I'm saying to you. Continuing in God's Word reveals God's truth for life. And doing God's truth assures us that we're saved. This is the way I can assure my heart. And when you have an assured mind, it's a tranquil, wonderful experience. You say, well... It's been so chaotic driving in this, boy, this busyness of Dixon. Sitting down here at 46. I got to go to Hawaii. It'll be tranquil there. No, you're going to take a troubled mind there. You're going to sit under those palm trees, burn yourself to a crisp. You're going to listen to the waves and you're going to say, I should have stayed in Dixon. I'm no better off because your mind that you took there is not a tranquil mind. You see, John the Apostle knew what it was like to have a tranquil mind. He was in the Spirit worshiping on a horrible, desolate island. And he saw the glory of God and the promises and heard the promises of the final revelation of the Lord's coming. He had a tranquil mind. Are you going to walk out of here today with a tranquil mind? Or is it rumbling and stirring while I'm trying to talk to you right now? You don't have any peace in your mind. You see, assurance brings a tranquilizer to the mind. And assurance produces in us confidence with God. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts before Him. In whatever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, 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 beloved. I love you in Jesus, beloved. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence with God. To the praise of the glory of His grace, I again appeal to you. The Lord is near to the door. Nearer than He has ever been. Come, Lord Jesus, is what we pray.